I must make mistakes and fumble my way to get better. It's just feedback. It's information. Success was something I wanted. Now, I wanted it from an unhealthy place to prove people wrong, to look good, to feel like I was deserving and worthy. But when I would accomplish it, it didn't make me have that feeling. I still didn't feel like it was good enough. I would still beat myself up. So I would go for more success and more success. And it wasn't giving me what I wanted to feel. Welcome, everybody, to the Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. I am out of my mind, excited for this episode today, because I'm sitting down with my good friend, Lewis Howes. Now, Lewis doesn't need any introduction, I am sure. But in case you've been living under a rock or something, he is the founder of the School of Greatness brand. He's the founder of greatness.com, the School of Greatness podcast, which has had hundreds and hundreds of millions of downloads over the past 10 years. And everything that he has been studying for the past decade, everyone he's been interviewing has all been around the theme of greatness. Now, he's got his brand new book coming out. And this book is so freaking good. The Greatness Mindset. Unlock the power of your mind and live your best life today. It's by far, in my humble opinion, his best book yet. He is a multiple times New York selling best author. I'm sure this book is also going to smash the list. Everything about this episode is really about what he's learned in his evolution since I've known him over the past six, seven years. What has he learned about greatness? What can he share with you about how to live a life of greatness? And what does your mindset have to do with it? What has he learned? What has been the common thread about everybody else's mindset when it comes to greatness? You're going to absolutely love this episode because it's not just another episode that he does with somebody else where they're asking questions about the book. This is an episode where we just talk about our lives and what we've learned and what it has to do with greatness and mistakes we've made and, and just how we've seen each other evolve. So get ready and listen up, take some notes, because this is one of those interviews and this is one of those books that will truly change your life. And before we get started with this episode, do not forget I have stumbled across one of the coolest ways to grow your business and grow your network in just two days time. We call it the round table. It was built from an experience I was actually at Lewis with. Brendan Bouchard put it together and you sit around a U-shaped table, a round-shaped table with your peers and other business entrepreneurs for a couple of days and you work on each other's business in a very curated, strategic way. Well, when I left there, I had breakthrough after breakthrough. My wife had breakthrough after breakthrough. And we knew that we wanted to recreate this for you so you can have the exact same breakthroughs. Best of all, it's one of the most affordable things that we've ever done, even though it is in person. How cool is that? If you want to check it out, all you have to do is just text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. The first one sold out in seven hours. So we're doing a second one. So text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. Again, just text me the word roundtable to 310-421-0416. And if you want to go right to the website, you can do that as well. You can just go to chrisharder.me forward slash roundtable. All right, get ready. Listen up. Here we go. We are so excited to be here. To everybody listening, we are sitting in the School of Greatness studios, which is so exciting. Like, this is a big moment for us. It's a big studio. It's fun. Like, this is incredible. And we get, to, we get to flip this on you today. You I guys, know, you are grateful. listening to the Earn Your Happy podcast and also the Chris Harder show. I'm sitting here with my husband and Lewis Howes. 
in his amazing studio. This is so much fun because normally I'm listening to you on my runs or in my workouts. Yeah. So now we get to, we get to ask him all I'm the excited. questions I know. today. I'm very grateful for both of you. Okay, so we're going to open with that because you're one of the people who taught us so much about gratitude, Lewis. Mm -hmm. So we want to tell you what we're grateful for about you first. And you have been one of the people who, first of all, created a container, created your mastermind that totally rocked our worlds and changed our life. Mm. We've met so many of the people that are close friends with us now or things that have completely impacted our careers or, you know, just opportunities that you've introduced for us that have completely changed the trajectory mm. of everything that we're doing. So that's one of the things along with your podcast, along with just how generous you are with your connections. Mm. So we want to also know what three things you're grateful for right now, most grateful for, I'm just great. top of your head. I'm grateful for you guys both being here and supporting me. It means a lot to me to see you guys. I appreciate it. I'm grateful for my health because this just feels good to be able to use my body at its full capacity. So I'm grateful for that because I know a lot of people don't have that capacity. And then I'm grateful for Martha. She's an amazing partner, teammate. And again, I've seen you guys be teammates for how long has it been now? 15? 18 years. 18 years. Wild. It goes like that. 18 years. Team still goes strong. And I see what you guys are able to create mm. and also overcome together because you're a great teammate. So I'm grateful for her as well. I'm excited for you. It's fun so to watch your relationship that Thank you're you. loving and, and watching you thrive. And you just seem to have so much inner peace that shows on, on the yeah. outside. Mm -hmm. very it's just a great, after all these and years, she's awesome. She is. Yeah. Sweetheart. Lo just the second I met her, I was like, oh, yeah. that is a good energy. <laughs> like, that's good. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Lori was saying you've been such an advocate for us. And mm -hmm. of course, we're grateful for that. Who's been some of the biggest advocates for you along your journey? Mm, early in my journey, I had a, a few key mentors. One guy named Stuart Jenkins, who really helped me when my father went through an accident early on. He kind of guided me and, and pushed me towards like getting into LinkedIn and the business. Mm. And he's always been a great model of an older man who's married, got great kids, and a healthy lifestyle. So he kind of gave me that model. He was early on. Another guy named... Uh, Chris Hawker really inspired me early on, taught me a lot of different stuff. He was a mentor of mine for many years. And then another guy named Frank Agan, who helped me write my first book. He was my co-author of my first book. These guys gave me confidence. They gave me coaching, support. They showed up for me when I was struggling. And so I've always been grateful for them and being a service to me. Yeah. You've always had such a powerful network, right? That's that's lifted mm -hmm. you up and yeah. you've done the same for them. Mm -hmm. What's the key to building such an epic network? Because if we're being frank, you can probably call on anyone you want to call on mm -hmm. now and be able to have them on the show or collaborate with them. What's the key to, to getting there? Number one, making it about them and not about you. And I think you guys do a great job of that as well. You're always thinking about how you can help others. So I, when I started building my network, I didn't have anything to offer. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I was really curious about them and I asked them, what do they need? How can I support? Who do they need in contact with? So I just became a connector early on because I couldn't give them the solution, but yeah. I knew others who could give them solutions. So making it about them and, and really being a great listener of their story. I think people love to tell their story. And so that's something I, I tried to do the best when I could early on. Another one would be, I just thought about how can I connect with people on a friend level? Not from like a taking, wanting to get something level. How can I connect on a human friend level? And by doing that, they never felt like I was trying to get anything. So it's like building genuine relationships where you can call upon people in your network that you can rely on. So there's nothing wrong with having business relationships where it's like, okay, we are in partnership. We're going to deals together, but this is what it is. I've just always tried to be in friendship first and then try to support each other more authentically. So for me, that's how I do it. Like that's something I learned from you early on, following that model of play the long game. Mm -hmm. Don't have an attachment to yeah. any kind of reciprocation. And the funny thing is when you become detached from expecting anything, that's sometimes when some of the best things come through. Yeah. But it's, it's how you got to show up. You guys have both done this over the last, you know, what is it, eight, 10 years or so. I've seen you guys do this in lots of different ways through your charitable efforts, through just your community you build, through helping serve people and give people without expecting things in return. And I think that's why you guys do so well is also is because you're just givers and you build communities. And bringing people together, you know, some, like when you do your event, you may not make a lot of money doing your event. But you know the impact when you have all these women in one room and they bond and they overcome challenges and they 
do businesses together. They're always going to think about you, Lori, for bringing them together with your event and giving them that opportunity to shine. And I think, you know, I've never made money on my event. You guys have been there, but it's like some things that we can do that aren't for money, but you know, it's going to make a big impact and be a catalyst for so many people's growth and just know that's like kind of the long game. It's like you're investing in people. It's interesting with my team here. I tell them this a lot. Maybe I shouldn't say this to them, but a lot of them <laughs> on my team, I say, Hey, listen, whether you guys are here for another day or like 10 years, mm-hmm. or you decide this isn't the right place for you, like you don't align with like the vision or the mission or the values, whatever, I want you to be successful in your life. And we want to give you tools while you're here. And that may be uncomfortable. We may push you in some ways, but we want to empower you to grow. And hopefully, you know, if you decide this is not the place for you, we want the best for you. And hopefully you'll look back on your time and be like, I learned this one thing. I got this good connection. I met someone on the team who I still work with today. And I think that's really all I can do is try to empower people to grow in their lives. I wonder how many panic we said. Now you might be here one day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is he talking to me? Did he look well, at the camera well, at me? Well, it's tough because you want to, you invest in people, you onboard people, you train people, you, you know, move on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's trying to communicate. Hey, listen, I was just talking to one of my team today, Brian. I was like, listen, you know, Brian, I want you to be successful here for as long as you want to be here. But I also want you to have tools that if you go somewhere else at some point, you have tools for the next area of your life and you have tools for your personal relationships. Mm. You have courage, you have opportunities for every area of your life. That's what I want. And sometimes that doesn't mean you get what you want. Sometimes you invest in certain Mm. things and you don't get an immediate return on investment. And there's, again, but when you play the long game and you just care about people, good things tend to happen. So don't get walked all over from everyone and just give without anything, but it's being being intentional about why you're giving. And you do that so well. What's something even in the last, let's just go the last like two years, something recent, maybe a belief that you used to have in your life mm. that has drastically changed? That I don't need people to like me, mm. to like myself. Freedom. Yeah. I don't need people to like me or agree with me or to be okay with my decisions where I used to want everyone to like me. And therefore I would give in and abandon myself to make sure that they were taken care of. Or if I was overworked, I would just still move things around to try to help someone. Even tonight, you guys are going to dinner. I really want to go to dinner, but I'm like, I got to practice like taking care of myself because I know what I have the next couple of days. And it's not like this is a bad thing, but I would just try to go out of my way for people so frequently and extend myself too much, even when I was too extended. Even during the last couple of months, it's been interesting because 90% of the things I've done has been interviews for other people's shows. But I had a couple things scheduled in to come on my show just to make sure we don't get behind. And then other people had books coming out at the same time and they were trying to squeeze stuff in with me. And I was just like, gosh, I really want to help you right now but I need to do this season for these next couple of months where we're just going to have to wait and do it later. And I used to be really scared to say, mm-hmm. no, I can't help you right now. Yeah. Why? What would you think would happen? You just want, I didn't want to let people down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want people to be upset with me or disappointed with me or frustrated with me. And I think I just wanted to be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be everyone to like me and rely on me or something like that. And now I just like myself, mm-hmm. not in a narcissistic yeah. way, yeah. but I love and accept who way. I am, whether people are going to accept me for doing something or not. And that took a lot of healing. That took changing my mindset and my belief about who I was. And it took really overcoming the fear of judgment, which there's three main fears, failure, success, and judgment. Mm-hmm. And judgment was my biggest crippling mechanism, the fear of what other people think about me. And I, I, know, I know you were thinking, mm-hmm. talking about this last month. Mm-hmm. And that was, I wasn't afraid of failure because I knew as an athlete, this was the path to success and you make mistakes. And that's part of the journey. The greatest, you know, baseball players fail 70% of the time, right? Michael Jordan missed 50% of his shots. Was he a failure or was he one of the greatest of all time? Uh You know, because he missed half the time. Yeah. And so I understood that concept in sports that I must make mistakes and fumble my way to get better. It's just feedback. It's information. Success was something I wanted. Now, I wanted it from an unhealthy place to prove people wrong, to look good, to feel like I was deserving and worthy. But when I would accomplish it, it didn't make me have that feeling. I still didn't feel like it was good enough. 
I would still beat myself up. Mm -hmm. So I would go for more success and more success. And it wasn't giving me what I wanted to feel. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was crippled by the fear of judgment. And at the center of all three of these fears is simple concept that I am not enough, mm -hmm. not pretty enough, talented enough, smart enough, funny enough, yeah. whatever it might be. And I didn't feel enough based on the, my opinions, or what other people's opinions were of me. And so that made me go out of my way. It helped me in a lot of ways build great relationships. But then it was also crippling because I would overextend myself. I would abandon what I really wanted to do to make someone, to put them first. As opposed to creating the win-win in every situation and season of life. You know, it's like, okay, this is the season I'm in. I'm going to do my best, but sometimes I can't give everything. And learning to sit and be okay with my nervous system, dealing with the potential upset or, or disappointment of other people. And I didn't have that skill until the last mm -hmm. couple of years. And so learning that skill through a healing journey, through releasing that fear and worry and practicing it, like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it keeps coming up and I've got to keep stepping into it. Okay. Is this a time to, to really serve and help someone? Or am I abandoning myself by mm. overextending right now? So that's the marker, the decision yeah. maker. It's, it's like, like, do I feel like I'm abandoning myself? Do I feel like I'm abandoning myself and my mission? And so I make decisions based on a mission, mm. which is to serve 100 million lives weekly, to help them improve the quality of their life. That means I want to give. I want to help people. I want to show up for people how I can. But if I'm doing, I don't know, three or four interviews in a day, I just know I can't give my best after that. So am I hurting myself by trying to give more or, you know, it's just being aware, okay, how much am I giving today or at this time zone, or can I make this trip or is it overextending myself? Maybe I can make it work, but I might be regretting it afterwards and resenting myself. So just being in tune to why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I really want to show up or am I doing it because I'm afraid but if I don't do it, they're not going to like me. So just final on the mindset part, because mm -hmm. I want to know for anybody listening, because I think it sounds good. It feels good. We know we want it. But then the first time you do it and the second time you yeah, do it, you're, you're like, different. it feels crazy. So I know you talk so much about mindset. Did you have like a specific mantra that you kind of were like you clung to or you would switch something or what would you do after that? I didn't have a mantra around that, but I did have an emotional coach that would guide me. Okay. So I don't think it's wise to do anything alone that you're not yet good at. Mm. And I think once you master it, I still don't think it's wise to do it alone. You know, Kobe Bryant, when he won his first championship, he didn't say, thank you, coach. I'm good. Thanks for getting me here. I don't need a coach this next season. I'm going to go win the championship <laughs> yeah. on my yeah, own. Totally. He actually invested in more coaches mm. and got more support and feedback to help him a more to be a more dominant player. So for me, I don't think it's wise to do anything on your own when you haven't mastered it. And I think it's wise to continue to have support even when you're in a mastering journey of that thing to keep you sharp. So for me, I had an emotional coach and I still have an emotional coach that I would speak into and say, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like in the last six months alone, I had so many people reach out to me that hadn't reached out to me in years to ask me for something. Interesting. Why do you think all of a sudden? I remember, I remember saying this four or five years ago. I went through a, a spiritual purging in my life after a previous breakup where I felt like, okay, I'm being judged in a world of people that are thinking something. And I remember feeling like this doesn't feel good because I feel like I'm seeing nasty comments online people are talking behind my back and people don't know what's really happening. They're just hearing something and they're making their own interpretation. Yeah. So it feels unfair and unjust. But I remember talking to Robin Sharma at the same time and he was like, this is perfect because everyone needs to go through a spiritual mm. purging. Mm. And you've got to cleanse your ego constantly. And this is an opportunity for you to, to cleanse your ego. Whether it's just or unjust, whether it's fair or unfair, whether it's, it's correct or incorrect, look at this as an opportunity for your ego to be cleansed, for you to dive deeper into your mission, and to have a spiritual purging of people that you don't need in your life anymore, that maybe you extended and gave too much of your time to too many people. Now these people are revealing themselves based on how they were using you. So now you're aware. And maybe it's time to reinvest into you and reinvest into like less relationships and really stop extending. So this is just an opportunity to like evaluate, not making anyone right or wrong, good or bad, but just evaluate what works for you, what's effective and what's useful in your life. 
And is this helping you with a mission that you're here to serve? Or are you just worried about what people think about you? And so I remember, this is, it was so funny because I remember being like, I take a lot of mental notes. So I, re- I remember yeah. what people do. It doesn't mean I'm not going to forgive, and, yeah. and, but I just remember and take note, do I want these people in my life later if they're acting a certain way now? Again, I like I don't want an evil scoreboard. It's just yeah, I don't want harm awareness. on anyone. I'm awareness. just like, okay, are they in alignment with what my mission is or are they just trying to use me when it's convenient for them? So I took a, a lot of mental notes around this time. And I remember thinking, you know, in a few years, these people are going to start reaching out to me and they need something. And it just started happening one by one by one. It seems like in the last six months. And it took me facing it and be like, okay, the old me would want them to like me. Yeah. It's not that I don't want them to like me, but it would have me giving in to extend myself to give to them, to help them with what they want right now, without even them acknowledging what happened. So I used to want to do that just because I wanted everyone to like me. And now it's just like, okay, I either don't need to respond or I can just give a neutral, hey, it's not, it's not the right fit or just no. And I did that for so many people in the last six months. Again, not to like get back at anyone. It wasn't I was being mean, but it was just like, I wasn't abandoning myself. To get back to yourself. Yeah. I wasn't abandoning who I was. And it didn't feel authentic to give in those ways after certain things had happened. And I, and you know, people that you guys know in the industry who who are this way. So for me, and it's realizing, okay, can I still wish everyone all the success and love and harmony, but I don't need to have them in my life, giving me a lot more peace and energy and freedom to stay focused on my mission, which is about service, and focused on the people that are closest to me and giving them more energy and attention than maybe people that are kind of wishy-washy or, or you don't really know what their, what their true intentions are. So It's interesting as a, as a fellow people pleaser or somebody that wants everyone to like them, right? This really resonates with me. I'm curious, what does the conversation sound like? So when these with are myself, people, well, no, out loud with the person who says, hey, man, I need you to, to be on your show or I need you to do this for me. Oh, and man. the first time you have to, to not show up the way they expected you to. like, well, it's an to. email. I'm just yeah. <laughs> what is that conversation? Well, it's funny because there was a few people that would text me and say, and just assume that they would come on my show yeah. after like five years of not talking to me or something, right? And, and I just didn't respond. And this happened to many different people and I just wouldn't respond. And then they would respond again a couple weeks later and again, and I just wouldn't respond. And then eventually I'd just say, hey, it's not the right fit and I wish you the best. This happened to someone that you guys know closely in our space where they just kept texting and texting and expecting and wanting more after years of not reaching out. And then I got on the phone with them because they had said, hey, can we just jump on a call? And so I got on the phone and I just said, you show up to me as very inauthentic. Wow. You show up to me as a taker and not a good friend. You keep saying you're a friend, but you're not. And here's why you haven't been. I wasn't rude. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't mean. To be honest. Mm-hmm. I was having 100% authentic ownership mm-hmm. of how I felt. And again, doing it from a conscious way. And at the end, this person actually thanked me. So thank you so much for being honest with me. And I was actually a really bad friend. And I actually did some bad things to you. And I don't know why I did this. But I'm, I'm sorry. They tried to apologize and things like that. I just said, okay. And, and they're like, well, I really want to be your friend, though. And I go, we're not friends. You have your life on a different part of the country. You have a family. You have kids. You have, you're married. What are we going to do? Talk on the weekends? Like, we're not friends. We haven't spoken in years. And you did things to me that weren't what a friend would do after I gave and gave and gave to you for years. And so for me, it's like just being real with people. It's not that I... And I'm like, I wish you all the success. I don't want you to not be successful. Like, go win. Go win at everything. But it just doesn't work for me right now. Maybe it doesn't mean we're not going to be, you know, friendly in the future. But I have no intention of giving my... I've got lots of friends. I've got lots of business relationships. I've got a lot of second-tier friends. Like, I don't need to add more when they feel inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And before, I just wanted everyone to be my friend. And it's very freeing to be able to speak to someone honestly. Mm. And again, I'm not trying to do it in a hurtful, harmful way. It's just 100% authentic ownership. This is how I feel. You show up to me this way. 
and I wish you the best. And you closed the loop. Yeah. Because that loop Stop would have kept on being yeah. open. Chris and I are in that space right now. This was the first year that we sat down and we really said, who's on the long haul with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because who's... I'm leaking energy and I can't yeah. live this way anymore. And you can't accomplish <laughs> yeah. what you want to accomplish when you're leaking yeah. energy everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. So at some point you got to plug the leaks. Yeah. And no, like I was talking to another one of our mutual friends where he was like, I'm not good at building relationships mm-hmm. in terms of like putting myself out there and networking. He's like, it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at my thing. But I understand the importance of partnerships in yeah. business. And so I hired a few people that what they do is they reach out to all potential partners. And we, we essentially say, we want to be in partnership with you. And it's a business partnership. We want something from you. And we want to help you get something from us. Yeah. So they know what it's all about. They have affiliates. They have sponsors, partners, where it's like, we're going to do stuff for you. You're going to do stuff for us. But when it's like people that I start out as friends and it just feels inauthentic to me if they say, hey, we're friends, but do this thing for me. So it's just learning how to navigate that. And mm-hmm. I started my business being friends with people first mm-hmm. and just wanted to elevate. So it's just learning how to navigate it a little more authentically. Well, I really mm-hmm. commend you for having that honest conversation yeah. and for taking it as far as saying, hey, we're not friends. Because yeah. I could see me maybe having That's an honest lie. conversation, yeah. but then bowing at the end saying, okay, well, we can work on it. I mean, you do, you win not all the way. And it's not that I'm not going to, if I see this person in public, I'm not going to say hi and be right. friendly of and course. say, how are you doing? Because I can be a human being. Yeah. But to act like we haven't spoken in years and you did some things that I didn't really jive with years ago and now you want me to promote you, you want this, you want that, you're asking for all these things, that's not a friend thing to do. So for me, it's just like, yeah, we're not friends and you have your life and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be your friend. Mm. No, I think that's so important for people to hear in this. I actually was just in a room doing a live podcast last night and so many people were talking about like, they feel like they meet people or they even meet people at events or your event and we have to carry everyone with us like through the whole journey Mm -hmm. or everyone has to like everyone. And it's like, we're all just trying to navigate and find who our fits are. And you really only have time. I feel like we really only have time for like five friends. Quality like close, close friends, Yeah. yeah. Yes. And when you're in a partnership like you guys have, which is beautiful, you probably want to spend a lot of time with each other. We do. Like, right. Now that I'm with Martha, I just want to come hang out with her every night. You know? I know. It's like, I want to spend my time where it's peaceful, where I feel accepted, where I feel seen, and we can elevate each other. And I'm like, okay, that's fun for me. I don't need to see people all the time and say yes to every meeting like I used to. And again, season at a time. When I have oh, nothing, yes. I'm going to say yes to everyone and try to like meet people. And then it's reclaiming my energy now so that I can focus on my mission. Do you feel like you have a lot more energy? I like, what like are the bonuses? Of energy. <laughs> I was going to say, like you actually feel like a different person. I feel like I have yeah. an abundance of energy. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm doing multiple interviews a day right yeah. now. So it's like I'm managing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel overall, like I know moving in with someone, buying a home, making big investment purchases, launching a book doing three to four interviews a day while managing a business and, and managing a team of 20 virtually in here with all their nuances of life and navigating all the emotions of those things together. Five, 10 years ago, I'd be a mess right now. Yeah. But because I have a beautiful relationship and I have harmony in the relationship, I don't have moments of like, okay, this is all right. This is a moment. I got to take a breath here, but I feel peace overall. Yeah. And I feel like I can navigate all these things. And I'm just like, it's all going to work out. You know, the house is going to come together. The investment's here. This, the team, it's going to work out. It's going to unfold how it needs to. And that gives me a lot of peace. But again, it's been a 10-year journey of like ups and downs, mistakes and lessons, and, you know, improving and healing in order to get here now. And it's just, it feels good. But I I think the only way I'm able to do it is because I constantly do emotional coaching. I don't think I would be able to do it as effectively without having a continual support from my partner, but also a coach that just allows me to like get it out and just release and move on. So that's why I think it's wise to have support in these areas of life. I want to switch modes just for a moment. You got a couple of big milestones that you just mm-hmm. hit in there coming up. You got a very special birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, that's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> and a birthday party, like, right? Yeah. right? Like, and you've got uh, a school greatness just turned 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, how many people have you touched? Have you reached by now? 
Well, I count like long form downloads or views yeah. of like 20 minutes or, or longer. And that's about 650 million Jeez. downloads in 10 years. Yeah. Wow. But it took, but even the, the last year alone was 150 million downloads. Wow. Oh so God. it's taken yeah. a while to like accelerate it, you know, 10 yeah. years. People look at you and they'd say, he's done it all. Mm -hmm. He's got it all. You know, that's what I want to do. I want to aspire to be like Lewis. But I know we're always our own hardest critics. So now that you're turning, mm -hmm. can I say it, 40? Yeah, you say it. Now that you're turning 40 and you've on. done all Let's this, right? Hey, I love amazing. my 40s so far. Yeah, I love yeah. them so far. What are you most proud of? And then also, what is that one thing that you wish you would have accomplished by now? I'm proud of being in a beautiful relationship, to be honest. That's the first thing that came to me because I think for most of my life, that's what I was wanting, but I didn't know how to have a beautiful relationship with myself. Yeah. And so learning how to, again, healing is a journey, but learning how to heal certain parts of me that were very wounded emotionally and psychologically in intimacy. And seeing how far I've come, if I look back at my younger self, my younger self would be proud of the extreme pain and suffering that I put myself through and overcame. And this is not to compare to other people's suffering and things like that, because we all have our challenges. But I used to beat myself up a lot internally. So to see myself be at peace with me and create a loving relationship, for me, is something I'm really proud of. Here's the interesting thing about this season of life. I'll give you context. When I finished this book, when I finished writing it, I remember feeling for the first time, not for the first time, but I remember feeling like, I did everything I can that I wanted to put in this book, mm. and I felt really proud of the product, right? I felt proud of it. I had a great writing partner. I felt like we really connected, and I was able to get the message out that I wanted to, that I was like, this is the book I wish I had at 16, mm. 21, 30 for me. Yeah. This is the book I wish I had two years ago to help me with all the stuff I'm navigating. Yeah. This, and I was like, I'm glad I have this for myself in 10 years at the next season or stage mm -hmm. of life. You know, marriage, kids, more responsibilities, money, all these things, like how to navigate at these different levels. I know Lori loves the levels. <laughs> and, I um, love a good level. And I remember, when, so when I finished it, and I, like, did all the editing process and everything, and, like, I was like, okay, it is complete, and I'm proud of this. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling like I'm proud of the finished product. Like, I gave it my best with where I'm at right now. Yeah. And I set goals for results I want to hit, right? But I release them right away as like, even if it doesn't happen, I'm still proud. Mm -hmm. Because I said, I'm going to kill a game plan that's going to set myself to do my best effort. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be in the playoffs yeah. of the game yeah. of this book. I've got six months runway leading up to it, the strategy, the team. Like, we've got the game plan, and now I'm going to execute. And as okay. long as I give my best every day leading up to it, then I'm like releasing the results and i can say it authentically to you yeah. because before i couldn't have said it right. where i'd be like if i don't hit this i'd be upset right. if i don't get this list or this many sales or this press i would have been upset and disappointed and had kind of like an expectation hangover mm -hmm. frustrated i would have been yeah. angry yeah and i've you know we'll see the test once the book comes out i got to face the results yeah. and see like okay am i really still proud no matter what happens and I believe in my core that I will be. Yeah. So again, I haven't faced it yet, but I believe that I've released it because I know in my heart and my mind, I'm giving everything I can while also taking care of my health and my relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't want those things to suffer to try to get like a number or right. a result or, and like burn myself out. Mm -hmm. That's not greatness to me. It's being in harmony inside of myself and making sure the people around me closest to me feel seen and loved in my playoff season so that I have the energy to go all out and what I need to do. And then I let go of the results and it feels really empowering right now this season. But you know, listen, when stakes are high and people are involved, like you want things to be a certain way, but I'm just learning to let go and knowing that all I can do is show up and give my best in every moment and be present with you right now and not thinking about right. the next thing. Like I'm here, I'm doing my best. I can be proud of that. It's, snowball. It's, it's no small feat, though, because I know that you internally are a really competitive guy, right? Mm -hmm. First it showed up in sports, and then it shows up everything else. So to miss a milestone, to not win the championship game, yeah. metaphorically speaking, yeah. by having the book crush it, for you to say, I know that I left everything on yes. the field, mm -hmm. and that's the part I'll be proud of. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the, the trophy would just be the icing on the cake. Yep. 
that's come a long way from who you used to be. Yeah, I used to need to win. And I used to need to make sure that my goals came true. But I'll give you a couple of instances. I really wanted to go to the Olympics. And I'm not ruling it out, but I've kind of retired from handball because I haven't played in like two and a half years. Is there, is there an age where you age out of handball? I mean, most people stop in their late 20s. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everyone on my team was 15, yeah. 20 years younger than me, the USA national team. The Tom Brady of handball. Exactly right. But I practice like a couple times a year. They're practicing every day, yeah. right? So I just was able to kind of stay on the team as like the last man by getting by because of my skills as an athlete because of my, you know, leadership communication skills and things like that. And I could still play, but, you know, they had the advantage. You know, they're younger, stronger, they're practicing every day. You, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Anyways, I spent eight years chasing a dream of trying to, uh, well, I was on the USA national handball team for eight years. I was traveling around the world. I was playing with all these other national teams, Olympic teams I was playing against in Brazil, Argentina. Israel, the UK, you know, Mexico, Canada, Uruguay, all these different places. And just because the dream didn't come true doesn't mean it wasn't a dream come true. Mm, the experience that is so is good. was a dream come true. The people yes. I met, the, I mean, I got to, to, you know, wear USA across my chest and sing the national anthem in front of, you know, thousands of people Ugh. in Olympic type so experiences, good. national teams and playing against Olympians. Yeah. So I didn't go to the Olympics, but the journey of what I learned about myself was a dream come true. So the results were failed, but who I became was a success. So that was one instance. My last book, The Masculine Masculinity, I wanted it to be a New York Times bestseller. I thought it was a great book, and it is a great book, but it didn't hit the certain results that I wanted. And I remember feeling let down by it because I was like, man, this is a book that I felt like is really going to help a lot of men heal. And just because it didn't get the results then, five years ago, what has come since then has blown my mind. Just last week, I got an email or a text from a friend of mine who does work with inmates, prisoners. And I've gone to a couple of prisons with him to, to help men. And a year and a half ago during the pandemic, I did a live stream to all the inmates, the prisons, like their little TVs in their cells talking about the masculine masculinity, how men can be more vulnerable. And I think when men learn to heal, the world heals because a lot of men are the ones causing pain, yes. the mass shootings, the harm, the domestic violence. It's because there's a wound they haven't yet healed, right? There's a wound inside that causes us to be angry, reactive, and do bad things, unlawful things. So I did this kind of speech and, and talked to, it went live in all the prisons, but I didn't know how many people were watching it, but it was live on all the channels. And I didn't hear anything for the last year and a half. I get a text message the other week from my friend who is supporting this. And he gets, he sends me a photo of a six-page handwritten letter. And he just abbreviates the letter. And he said, this is from an inmate who's been in solitary confinement for the last two years. So, solitary confinement is three, 23 hours a day oh, in a cell. For two years? Two years. One hour a day outside by yourself, just getting fresh air and the rest of the time in a mm. cell. He said when he met him two years prior, he had a swastika tattooed to his chest. And he was in a white gang, right? He was protecting and defending himself, being a part of this. And now this is a guy that goes into prisons and works with murderers and rapists and people that cause a lot of harm and, and wants to help them transform and heal. So he's doing amazing work. And he said when I asked him why he left the white gang, he said, I left the gang. He said, why? And he said, Lewis Howes, the mask and masculinity. He said... You had him on with this live stream. Afterwards, I got the book. I've read the book four times <laughs> and I've dropped out of the gang and I'm starting to realize why I had certain behaviors that got me in here. And I'm starting to transform my life around. So getting that six page letter I have in the other room, for me, it's like just because the dream didn't come true, doesn't mean it wasn't a dream come yeah. true from putting that out there and the impact it has mm -hmm. on men suffering the most. And the same thing with this, you know, even if it doesn't hit a certain numbers or results or get all these accolades, I know for me, the experience has been powerful. I know that this has been just as healing and powerful for me as it will be for anyone that wants to read it at the right season and time of life. And for me, it's a dream come true, no matter what happens after this. So I didn't have that ability to see life that way years ago because yeah. I wanted to win and be competitive. 
Now, I've transitioned a lot in the last 10 years with that mindset, but I still had expectations. And again, it doesn't mean I don't want things to happen a certain way, and I'm not trying to get certain results, but I'm learning to release them a lot better. And no wonder you seem so at peace. I mean, because mm-hmm. this is the I've known you what maybe eight years or so. Yeah. This is the best and happiest, most peaceful I've, I've ever seen you be. Right, and it's the most authentic, joyful feeling. And we loved all versions. Yeah, we yeah, loved yeah. all versions. All the best. <laughs> yeah. All the best. Because we, we all have ours. <laughs> right, we all had ours. But I mean, he he is so joyful and and so mm-hmm. at peace now, and it makes sense as mm-hmm. you explain all of these these viewpoints on how you've shifted some of this. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's still not challenging moments and days and you got to deal with stress and adversity. It's just, I'm doing my best to manage it differently. That's mm. what I'm trying to do. So I feel like everything you're saying is when someone really drops into their purpose, like you're actually enjoying mm. the journey and it's not just the career, but we just, we were just in a room where we heard the quote, what was it? It was those with the strongest home life take the biggest risks. And mm. I just feel like it takes the pressure off of so much where I think, does I mean, it feel more free? They take the biggest risks in life, you mean? Yeah, take the biggest risks good, in life because you feel down. like you're... I feel like I've got a lot of energy. I was just telling you yeah. guys before, I feel like this, you know, renewable, sustainable energy. Mm-hmm. That's like clean energy. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm just trying to muster up momentum every day right. because I'm draining and dragged with, with relationships. So I feel really healthy there. But it, again, it starts with having a healthy relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And that started 10 years ago by creating a new contract with myself, like a contract around my identity mm-hmm. to me. Whereas I used to beat myself up. Mm-hmm. I used to say, I used to get angry. When I would get triggered, I would respond with anger. That was my go-to emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when things wouldn't work out and I didn't know how to manage my emotions, I would sit in a ball in my apartment and just not be depressed, but be in a depressed state mm-hmm. and just sit there for days eat ice cream all day or whatever, watch TV all day. I just didn't have the energy. So I was, I wasn't as passionate. And then I used to always say this to myself growing up that I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. You know, I'm never going to be smart enough. I used to say these things to myself. And it's funny because if we actually recorded our internal dialogue and played it on a loudspeaker in front of us, they put us in a mental institution, right? Mm -hmm. And imagine saying that to your best friend or your spouse, Mm -hmm. what we say to ourselves, they want to be with you. They'd be like, get away from me. You're not a good friend. But we're not being a good friend to ourselves with these internal dialogues. So 10 years ago, I started a process of creating a new contract. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, you know, I'm angry based on how I was reacting, I'm depressed and I'm not smart, which is how I was, what I was saying to myself and how I was responding I said, I have a new contract. I'm a loving, passionate, wise man. And it couldn't be something that actually was false or fake. Because I was loving, I just also had anger in me. I was passionate. I was still a fun, happy guy, but I was wounded. So when I would get triggered, I would get more depressed. And I didn't know how to navigate it. And I remember, because I used to say I was stupid, I'm not smart, all these things to myself all the time. So saying I am smart didn't resonate with me. Right. It would have been false. Oh, yeah. I am wise. Totally. But wisdom is something that. I felt like, actually, I am wise. Yep. I'm street yeah. smart. Yep. I understand people. I can do this. I'm, you know, I can formulate an idea. I can create goals. I can accomplish these things. I've got some wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I created a new contract. You know, it's been a journey of stepping into and becoming that contract for myself. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. I signed it. Yeah. This is who I am and who I'm becoming. And so it's been a process of, of using a lot of these strategies that work for me. What's the best strategy in this book that people can use the same way that you use that strategy? <laughs> That's a loaded question. There's, um, when, there's a number of things around like creating a fear list. What I really think is powerful. I won't go into it right now because I think there's some really good exercise in there. But the, something that came up for me when you said that is that's on my heart right now. When I was going through this time, I don't know, four or five years ago, where Robin Sharma was like, this is a, a perfect thing for you to go through. It's a spiritual purge, right? Mm-hmm. You're letting go of ties that you no, no longer need, relationships that don't longer, that are draining your energy, that's leaking energy. And he said, can you think back to a time where you went through a really painful time? And I was like, yeah, a lot of them. And he goes, just tell me one. I go, well, I mean, when I broke my wrist and I was devastated because I had this dream. And then, you know, I'm on my sister's couch for a year and a half trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And he goes, would you go back and change that? I go, no, because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have been called to do this mission. Mm -hmm. And who knows 
where I'd be if I played football for right. three to five more years. Right. You know, maybe I'd get stuck in that thing and I wouldn't have been called here. Yeah. And so actually that season gave me like the drive and the curiosity to do what I'm doing now. It started this process. Without it, I wouldn't be here. And he goes, yeah, so just remember that this is going to be something that you need in the future. It's giving you what you need. And I started thinking like, after I heard him say that, I go, you know, we hear hindsight's 2020. Mm -hmm. And I go, I just want to start having future hindsight now. I want to put myself 10 years in the future and see myself 10 years from now and say, why did I need this today? And talk to my 10-year-old self Mm -hmm. and say, this is why you needed it. And start thinking from the future of why this is actually exactly happening in your life today. So what you went through the last couple of years, if you could think in the future to 33-year-old Lori, (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and say, okay. So Wait, I wasn't supposed to laugh at that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're a 10 year old older self yeah. who's actually having a conversation with you with all the wisdom you're going to have in 10 years mm-hmm. from all the experiences, you know, you being a mother, you being a leader and a CEO and all these things that you're going to be and just speaking back and whispering, mm-hmm. this is exactly why it's happening now. This is why you're going through mm-hmm. this. It's all going to be okay. That is super powerful because I can already see it with you saying that. And just speaking Mm -hmm. to yourself from the future, as weird as that might sound. Mm -hmm. No. And I started doing that then. And I started doing that, you know, a couple of years ago when I went through a breakup. And I just remember being like, this is the most uncomfortable feeling right Mm -hmm. now. And I don't want to be in this. This is happening for me. If I can just have future hindsight now, if I can see in the future why I need this. And don't do it alone. Get Mm -hmm. support from others to be like, why do you think this is going to be helpful for me? It's hard to see when you're in it sometimes. So get support from your partner or coach and say, well, maybe this is, you're learning the tools you need. It's going to give you more humility. You're going to be wiser for the future. You're going to save yourself years of headaches in the future. Whatever it is, there's probably lots of stuff in your past that was painful, that was tragic, but you want to change it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it gave us a benefit too. So it's just having that mindfulness during the season of stress and pain that this is all supporting me for my future. You have four steps in your book to help people change their mindset or get into the greatness mindset. Mm-hmm. Are you in one right now? Or is there one where you're like, this is the one, this is the place I'm really spending time on right now? Well, I think it's, um, I think a lot of people don't celebrate mm. when they're in the process. Guilty. You know what I mean? I was telling you guys before then, you know, I was on the cover of Success Magazine right now. And in the past... I would sometimes like diminish my accomplishments. Like you want something so bad, but then you're like, okay, well, it's not enough or diminishing it or, and I think there's a season of making sure every day being in celebration of how we show up today, but then also the big moments. So I'm allowing myself to celebrate because I feel like if we don't celebrate what we've created, we're not opening a door for more good things to come to us. Celebrate. It doesn't mean we need to like drag it on for like a whole year or something, but celebrate the moment. Take a moment to connect with your friend or loved one and and celebrate yourself and say, you know, I acknowledge myself for showing up consistently. Take a moment, a dinner, and then you can move on or whatever it is. But most of us just kind of like move on quickly. It's on to the next. I think really just take the time to celebrate. So for me, it's, it's being in service constantly and constantly being in a celebration of life. You know, we had a friend of ours pass away recently. And if we don't learn to celebrate, then we miss out on a lot of stuff. If we don't need, you know, and this last weekend, I was at a celebration of life for another friend who passed away. And if we don't celebrate the people in our life when they're here and when they're not here, then what's the point of it all? So something that I know you guys probably do this really well, but me and Martha, we celebrate each other every day. We look at each other in the eyes and we acknowledge each other for what we're grateful for in the other person. And it feels good. We're not like bragging on each other nonstop, but it's just an acknowledgement of life, Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of you being here and showing up and for all the good, all the challenges you're overcoming. So I feel like if people can celebrate those things every day, it'll be a beautiful, 
beautiful thing for them. It's interesting. So we start every morning with what we call the power night, right? Three things we're grateful for, three things we're excited about for the day, and three things we want to manifest. And you guys dance too, don't you, in the morning? Don't you do like a little like minute dance? We used to. We used to. We used to. Bring that back. Bring that back. Where'd that go? Bring that dance back. I remember (laughs) that. I was going to say, many times what I'm grateful for is Lori, and I'll say it out loud verbally. But we don't I mean, for look you. at each other. So <laughs> myself. Yeah, yeah. Myself. I wake up every day. Hey. We don't look at each other and, and speak that greatness into yeah, each other. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a really cool tip. You guys also do like, a, I don't know if you still do it. Maybe you stop the dancing and everything else. But you still, you still do the walk after dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Walk in the morning three miles. Yeah, walk great. in the evening three miles. That's a lot of walking. It is. Man. That's, that's well, good. The, the, an, the two sheep doodles demand yeah. it. Oh, so yeah, that helps a little bit, too. They demand it. That helps a little bit, too. But that's an opener. That's a good question for you. Like, what are some openers that you have in your relationship now? Like containers that are ensured that you're going to get your conversations out that you need. I mean, we also have agreed to doing like joint coaching. With, oh, yeah. With so a that's coach. a... So we do that, I don't know, whenever we need to, but it's usually once every like four to six weeks. We do it yeah. individually with ourselves, uh, but we also do it together. Mm-hmm. So that allows for that space to to have those conversations, but we're also always in the conversation. So we're never yeah. like waiting for something to be like, okay, now I'm going to talk about it. We're like, let's talk about this. Okay. Let's talk about it more in therapy as well. And so that's really helpful. But again, we, we share three things we're grateful for every night. Yeah. And that is a beautiful way to complete the day. I think those traditions, those containers, it's crucial. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's and crucial. She, she also wakes up with a smile and just like, who are those people? Naturally <laughs> happy. <laughs> for this morning happy people. Thank, really... God, thank God for them. Thank know, God for right? this yeah. one. Because I'm just like, oh yeah, we should be happy. I wake up to a mantra every morning. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. Every single morning for years. Every I've never morning? missed a morning. Even when yeah. we travel, I'll text it to her first thing when I wake up. So I copy paste. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Wow. That's good. You text it to her. Yep. Yep. I mean, no, in the morning, no, when we're together, I say it to her. Yeah, but when we travel, even then I'll text it. The first thing I do when I wake up. That's beautiful. I just, I think there's so much importance in choosing the set of lenses you want to see the yes. morning through. Because if you can control your morning, mm-hmm. you can control your day. If you control your day, you can control your week and, and, and so on. Is that why Lori's a mess? We'll be like, we woke up today. Like that's, that's the best way to wake up is just to like. I don't know. I think the cheesiest stuff sometimes works. It works. Yeah. It gets you it out of whatever so you're into. Good. Yeah, it gets yeah. you out of that funk or that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's talking about relationships. Our fathers mm-hmm. were very important relationships for, mm-hmm. for each of us. And your father's important relationship mm-hmm. for you. I don't want to leave him out. And what we have in common is we both lost our father too early. Mm-hmm. What is something in your greatness mindset? What is something in this book mm-hmm. that your father would be so proud that you're passing on that maybe he passed mm-hmm. on to you? Good question. You said, can I say the number or whatever? For, I'm going to be 40 in, I guess it's a few weeks. He never celebrated the numbers when we hit our birthdays, which in the beginning of my life, I didn't understand because I was like, well, everyone else is having presents and cakes, but we aren't celebrating me. I was like, do you not love me? He said, I love you very much, but I don't want you to be limited by your age. Mm, wow. And so he didn't celebrate any of our birthdays. And it wasn't because he didn't love us, because he actually showed us love and affection. My parents didn't do it that well with each other, but he showed it often and consistently in a lot of different ways. And he said, I never want you to feel like you're too young to go after a dream or too old to do something. And a lot of times that's what people do. They let their age dictate what they're capable of creating in the world or, or doing or not doing. And I never want you to think you're too young or too old to go after your dreams. So for me, that was a beautiful, but I was like, dad, you can still buy me a cake. (laughs) Um, But for me, that was a beautiful lesson that has stayed with me because I actually kind of get awkward when it's my birthday because it was never celebrated. So when people try to celebrate it, I get to learn to keep receiving and be like, yes, let's celebrate. But I don't want to celebrate a number. Mm. It's more of like, I want to celebrate my way of being, Mm. you know, okay, have I been showing up consistently generous, loving, kind, and in service? If so, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate the community we've built. Let's celebrate life in general, but not, I've made it this far. And so I try to just emphasize, and I think that's why I still have a lot of like just childlike energy. Mm -hmm. I just kind of act like a kid a lot, which I think because I never focused on the number. And I never thought like, I need to start acting a different way. Now, obviously, there are responsibilities and, and things like that, but I've tried to have a childlike heart and I think he passed that along by not focusing on like, okay, another year knocked off, like you're getting a little older. It's just like, no, you can do anything at any time if you don't limit yourself. 
And so that was a beautiful lesson. What was what was something he taught you? Shout out to dad. That's yeah. cool. For mine, he was the eternal optimist and he was always positive and he he never complained. Never heard Lori and I have sat else. down. Never 20 and years, we never tried to think of one time wow. that we saw it, even like I'm tired or anything. Nothing. Yeah, Not a single complaint. <laughs> but that's become, if I related it to a greatness mindset, something that I strive to build that muscle. Yeah. And I am nowhere near building that muscle yet, but we're conscious of it and we work mm-hmm. at it and we call each other out when, when we complain now and we'll say things like, Hey, dad never complained once. Like it's pretty big. Yeah. That's one of the best gifts he's That's ever amazing. given me and, and by default her. Something we, you know, as an athlete on sports teams, a lot of the great coaches that I've met, they cared about, yes, they wanted talented players, but they cared more about attitude, energy, and effort and how you responded to challenging situations you had your head down and you didn't run back or if you were like i'm just going to run back and give him my best even when i make a mistake that's what i look for people on my team and in my life is like mm-hmm. do you have attitude energy and effort we can teach skills yeah. but one of the, i think it was it was either steve jobs or it was elon musk i think it was elon musk who said like one of the biggest mistakes i'm paraphrasing is hiring for talent mm-hmm. and not for like cultural culture. fit yeah because yeah. he's like i hired too many nasty people that I, they were so gifted and talented, but it just created a cancer within things. And it caused more stress on me navigating and and dealing with it. So I'd much rather have a less talented person on my team with incredibly good attitude, energy, and effort towards Mm -hmm. life and work on building their skills up. So I love that. Yeah. That impacts you. It's life-changing for you. Yeah. In the title of the book, uh, I guess I'd call this a subtitle, unlock the power of your mind and live your best life today. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to, you know, hundred years from now when you're at the end of your life, how will you know you've lived your best life? Like what would be the tangible evidence? <clears throat> I saw a guy who was like in his eighties or nineties, like the super wealthy, like billionaire guy talk about like what is success at that age. Mm-hmm. And he said, that my kids don't want to hang out with me. Oh. We talk about that. Yeah. And I think that just came to me when you asked that. Like if I, the people that I've impacted and been around in my life, they want to hang out with me mm-hmm. genuinely because of my heart, not mm-hmm. because of what I've created in life. I think that will be something I'm really proud of and something that I'll be like, man, I did it right. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. Yeah. That's incredible. I love that. Pitch the book. Who's it for? Who'd you write it for? This was for me. I wrote this book for me, stuck, struggling, trying to figure out life, trying to navigate the pain and the, the not enoughness inside of me. And so whatever season you're at, if you feel like there's something holding you back, if there's some fear or self-doubt holding you back, I just want to know, let you know that you're not alone. And a lot of people struggle with the same type of fear and insecurity. And I wanted to, this has been a 10 years of research for me, finding the top neuroscientists, brain surgeons, emotional therapists, coaches, and leaders in the field of understanding the emotions on their wisdom and my mistakes and lessons on how to navigate it with a little bit more ease. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but I want to give people a better process that I wish I had 10 years ago when I was really struggling. So that's what this is about. That's who it's for. And I'm grateful for you guys for having me on. I love that. So grateful. I want to do a a little giveaway, if you don't mind. The first hundred people that listen to this episode that will tag all three of us, Lewis, Lori, and I, with their favorite takeaway, something Mm. they learned or something that was of impact to them, uh, we and our team will buy and and send Mm. them one of these books Appreciate it. Just want to be able to get in as many hands as, Thank you. as yeah. possible because yeah, this really is a book about greatness, you Thank know, you. And, and we need more people to, to live into their greatness out there. Yeah, we're so, honestly, I don't know where, I'm sure we would have found our way, Lewis, yeah. but you really helped a lot. Mm. And so much of what is in that book is what we've been able to adopt from you. And just thinking about all the people we've been able to impact because you've impacted us is, mm. is just so amazing. So Thank I'm you. so, we're so grateful for you. Appreciate truly, you. truly. You, yeah. I'll, I'll close by saying this. You always wrap your episodes up with, you know, speaking mm-hmm. words of affirmation into people. And I want everybody listening to know that what they see in you when you're, you're connecting people and, and 
giving up of, of your own self to, mm. to lift other people up and all that, it's as real and genuine mm. and way more than actually meets the eye. And that's the real human being that you are. Mm. And I want everybody to know that that is the extraordinary person that, that you show up as every day. Mm. Appreciate you both. I'm yes. so grateful for both of you. Mm. All right, you guys, we're so grateful for you. Give Lewis a shout out. Make sure you tag the three of us and we'll send you a book. We're so excited. And until next time, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success. 